When most people talk about followers in 2014, they may think of Twitter more than they would think of uh, followers of Jesus. And um, followers on Twitter can be very non-committed, but when we talk about following Jesus and responding to his call of follow me, we've learned during this seven weeks of this uh, series that, that that's a far more serious thing. And we finish our series today with... Um, with kind of a hard word, but I feel like to be able to do justice to all of this, um, we need to finish on this kind of, um, well, I mean, kind of almost a bummer of a tone today, but I think we need to do that. Um, um, obviously, uh, you know, small crowds in both of our services today, um, get that podcast and uh, give it to some of the people that weren't here. Uh, this is a good one to, to be able to give to some of your friends as well that may be kind of teetering on following and unfollowing as the words were used up here on the screen. Uh, I've never preached a message in 18 years of preaching on the passage that I'll be referring to today. Um, it's probably the weirdest teaching that Jesus ever did. Um, even I'll even go farther than that. It's just downright gross in some parts of this. And because of this teaching, um, it wasn't received very well. Um, Jesus, um, the first part, uh, right before this teaching, uh, Jesus was um, feeding the 5,000 and, and uh, with just a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish and and there was a lot of people following him, and he says he knew that a lot of people were following him just because of the miracles that he did. And so a lot of people were around him and had checked into the following crowd just because of what he would do for them, and that, whether that be feed them or heal blinded eyes or whatever that may be. And the scripture says that Jesus knew all about that. And he knew that some people were just around him because of what he could do for them. And it, so he gives a teaching that says, I am the bread of life. And it said, I have come down from heaven. And whoever would be able to partake of me will never grow hungry and will never grow thirsty. And that's kind of weird in itself. People looked at him and says, this is the bread of life. What, is, what does that mean? The bread that's come down from, hand, from heaven? And obviously, the Jews would think back to the Exodus and the manna that came down that God miraculously gave bread from heaven back in the wilderness wandering and somehow Jesus is comparing to that miracle God did. They would even consider that blasphemous. And they said, this is bread that's come down from heaven. We know who this guy's father was. He's, he's Joseph. I mean, he was a carpenter. And after the bread of life type of thing he even he he doubles down again he kind of raises the ante with even a more difficult and more weird teaching and if you have your bible john chapter 6 is where we are at matthew mark luke and john the fourth of the gospels and john chapter 6 is the longest chapter in all of the book of john and he gives this very weird teaching even gross and maybe this is why I've avoided this passage of Scripture all of my 18 years of preaching. But see, what Jesus was trying to do when he says, you know, everybody's around me for just the food, he, he says, I'm what you need. I, I'm the food that you really need. I, you don't need to be here just for what I can give you 
or what I can do for you, or if you would let me say this in a reverent way, just the show. I mean, the miracles and all that kind of stuff. He says, I'm the bread of life. I'm what you need. And so he was trying to be able to make that point. And he even goes deeper into that by that weird statement right there. And, And let's just be honest, that's some weird stuff. We just... Probably won't, probably won't show that to a, a brand new Christian, would we? Probably won't show that to a visitor in the church because that's just that's some weird stuff. We'd rather give them a John 3.16 or something like that. But this is as much as a, a part of God's word as anything. And Jesus said to them, and them would have been the followers, the disciples. The, the, yes, the 12, but all of the other followers. He says, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And he's speaking symbolically, of course, but this had to be very weird. He's foreshadowing the cross and foreshadowing what we will observe at the end of this service in the Lord's Supper. And, but he's saying, I'm what you need. And I'm even going to talk in such absurd terms here of drinking my blood and, and, and eating my blood because I'm what you need. You don't need the bread that I just gave you with the miracle on the feeding of the fat. What you need is me. What's the next slide we have here? Verse 54, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is real food and my body is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me. That's just weird stuff, man. And I can just see the 12 just What is he doing? I mean, and just looking at the crowd and seeing the crowd kind of checking out and and not buying this. And they're worried we're losing the crowd. We're losing our followers here because Jesus is just kind of going off on this tangent. Okay? What do we have next? Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me lives because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died. But he who feeds on this bread, speaking of himself, will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, Wow, man, I just don't get it. I mean, this is weird. This is, who, who, can, who can relate to this? Who can accept? Who can accept this teaching? What's next? From that time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. From that time on, many of the disciples, and it's plain in this passage, that sometimes I think when we think of disciples, we think of of Matthew and John and Peter and all of them, but it's plain in this passage, and I'll read it to you in just a second. Disciples meant all the followers. That many people turned his back on him and tried to, in the words of that video, that they just kind of checked out. This is this is too weird for us. He's lost it. And they, in the words of that video, unfollowed. They chose not to follow. And friends, That is an unfortunate happening in this thing that we call Christianity. That people choose to follow and after walking with Jesus for a week, a month, a year or more, some of them choose to not follow 
anymore. I don't know how many people I've led to Christ. Uh, you know, hundreds. I don't know how many. I, I've, I've, as I've pastored here, I've brought many of them in front of you and introduced so-and-so who just prayed to receive Christ in my office. And I wish I could tell you that every one of them was still following. But I can't. Because of the reality that people choose not to follow. They check out. They unfollow. This is a biblical reality. Paul says in 2 Timothy, and I can't remember what verse, but he says, you know, come quickly because Demas has deserted me, loving the pleasures of this world more than anything else. And so he was talking about Demas deserting him, unfollowing him. The Bible talks about this. The Bible also talks about it in Matthew 13, and I think we have it up here. This is a parable. Now remember what a parable is. It's a story that Jesus makes up to make a point. He makes it, so he could make up any story to make a point, the point that he's trying to make, but he, he tells this one. And so he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow seed, okay? As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and then the birds just came and ate it up, okay? Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell along thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, 160 or 30 times what was sown. And Jesus finishes this parable as he finished many of them. If, you know, he who has ears, let him hear that. Now, I'm going to say this is one of the most important parables Jesus taught. And the only reason I say that is because he's getting ready to explain it. And he didn't explain very many of his parables. So if he took the time to take the disciples aside and explain what this parable meant and wants us to know through Scripture to be able to what this parable means exactly, not for us to just to speculate, I think I'm not too far out of bounds by saying this must have been a pretty important teaching that Jesus was giving. Okay? So he says, listen. He takes the disciples aside, the 12, and says, listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed that's sown along the path. So the, 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 it was a picture of a farmer that's sowing seed. And so, so he sows it, and it just falls on hard soil, and the birds come and pick it up. And Jesus explains what that is and said the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in the hearts. The hearts were hard like the compacted soil and didn't take any kind of root. And by the way, the farmer is, is really me because that's all I do on Sunday morning and is just kind of toss it out. That's all I do. I, I toss out teachings about the kingdom. And I just toss it out. And I don't throw it. I just, I just don't say, say I'm, I'm going to throw it right here at JT. No, I don't do that. I just toss it out. I don't, I don't want to aim it and say, well, it's going to land over there with land. And no, I just, kind of, I just kind of throw it. I just kind of throw it. And the Bible says it just lands on all different kind of hearts. But my job is to throw it. 
I, I, my job is not to worry about if it's fallen on good hearts or hard hearts or it's going to take good souls. My, my job is just to get it out here. Just to be able to get it out here. And so here, here it was, message about the kingdom. It's going out. And it falls on hard soil and the evil one comes and snatches it away before it can take any kind of root. What's it say next? The one who received the seed that fell in rocky places is the man who hears the word and he receives it with joy. He receives it with joy. But then the scripture continues in verse 21. But since it has no root, it lasts only a short time. He receives it with joy. But it lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes. Trouble, I mean, a lot of different things can come out of the heading of trouble. Persecution comes. Because of the word, he quickly unfollows. He quickly falls away. He quickly checks out. Maybe just as quickly as he checked in. So here I am. And the scripture said it's fallen on hearts that are hard. It's fallen on some that receive it with joy. And, and, but then the troubles and persecutions come and they check out. They don't follow anymore. Scripture continues, 22. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, they choke it and they make it unfruitful. So he hears it, but the worries of life, just life, just the worries of life, the deceitfulness of, of, of wealth, thinking that wealth is going to be able to, where you can put your hope and your confidence, it just kind of chokes it out and it makes it unfruitful. And they kind of check out and they don't follow. And finally, but the one who receives the seed that fell on good soil is the man who understands the word, hears the word and understands it, produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times. See what Jesus just said about you all? Not just you all, the hearers, whether they be in this church or all churches. Jesus just said there's, there's, there's four different kinds of hearts. There's a hard heart that can't penetrate, penetrate. And the evil one just comes and snatches it away. There's, there's a heart that it's, it's, it's on rocky places and it takes a little bit, grows a little bit, but then it just kind of goes away. There's one that's among thorns and it, it, it just can't bear any fruit even though he hears and understands it. But then there's good hearts. And the seed that falls on good soil, good hearts, it takes root. And it'll produce a crop 30, 60, or 100-fold. The different soils. I knew, had a friend one time that preached a message and he titled it, What Kind of Dirt Are You? <laughs> the unpleasant reality of this thing we call church. The unpleasant reality of this thing we call the Christian life is that people can check out. People can unfollow. People can follow and then they cannot follow. They become a follower and then they unfollower if there's such a word. Now, if we go back to the passage in John chapter 6, Jesus looked at the 12 and says, You don't want to leave too, do you? They looked into 12. 
distinguishing between the disciples and the twelve. He looks at the twelve and says, you don't want to leave too, do you? And then Peter, for one of the few times, says something really, really astute. Peter is usually the guy sticking his foot in his mouth. He's always the one answering for the the twelve. But he says something really sharp here. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Hey, you don't want to check out two, do you? You don't want to unfollow two, do you? And Peter says, where are we going to go? To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Have you ever been tempted to um, check out? Not everyone, but many have been. And I would be shocked, even on a small crowd like we have today, to be able to think there are probably not some of you in here that are even weighing it right now, follow, unfollow. Unfollowing happens in all different times. The scripture said times of trouble, things didn't work out like you thought it was going to work out. God didn't rescue you like you thought he was. God didn't answer your prayer like you thought he was. Times of trouble. I mean, we could put a whole lot of things under trouble. And those times of trouble sometimes are times of unmet expectations. You thought God was going to do this, but God didn't do this. And and all that causes conflict and trouble in your spirit. Persecution. When we think of persecution, we, we think of people being martyred, and that doesn't really happen in, in the United States, but there could be much level, lesser levels of persecution, and you suddenly are, have left the youth group, and, and, and you have graduated high school, and you go off to college, and you're not with your youth group anymore, and, and you don't have your friends and your youth pastor there anymore, and you've got a new group of friends, and they didn't go to youth group, and they don't read their Bible, and they, don't, they weren't raised, their, their parents aren't Christians, and they just don't, they may not persecute you, but they, miss, they don't enter in, and they don't see the relevance, and you're just, it's not the cool thing to do anymore. And, and during transitions of life, sometimes that happens. You, you graduate from college, and maybe you've been able to get into a college group or some type of Christian group at college, and you go off and you take a job in Seattle, Washington, and, and man, there's just, there's, you, just don't, you don't have Christian friends and nobody in the office, and it's just not the way it was back home, and you're tempted to check out just because you probably still have some level of faith but it's just it don't it suddenly it doesn't seem like as vital and as real as it was back home that can happen a lot of different ways you make a poor choice and you marry someone who's not a christian and it just gets hard it just gets hard and you don't have your mate with you at church and everybody else has got their mates and it's be so cool to be able to have your husband or your wife sit beside you and look at everybody else and they look so happy and you don't have yours and it just gets hard. And you're tempted to check out. 
It's, it's an unfortunate biblical reality. Jesus taught about people checking out. In my eight, uh, I've been a Christian since 1993, so what is that now? 21 years, going on 21 years for me in August, and that I've been a Christian. I don't think I've ever been tempted to just say, I'm out of here, Jesus. I, but man, 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 have I been tempted to get off of, stop following the path that Jesus has laid out especially for me. And that was this path to this thing called the pastorate. And man, I tell you, Sue will testify to you. I mean, there's, I remember telling Sue, Sue, I don't, I don't want to, I want to be a good Christian, but I just don't want to be a leader anymore. And I just don't want to. I just, I'll be the best lay person a pastor's ever had. I just, I, I didn't want to turn my back on Jesus, but I did want to turn my back on his call for my life. And that's the kind of, that's an, that's an unfollowing there. That's a certain type of not following anymore. And that temptation or those, whatever that is, when that comes and the thinking on that, that's, I'm tempted, and I think about checking in, checking out. I still think I'd be in a church, and I still think I'd, I'd, I'd be there, but I'd, I would get off the path of followership that I know that he has for me. How about you? I would be shocked if there are not people here today that are not teetering between checking in and checking out. Now, that's nothing special to our church. It's just church. It doesn't make us bad. It's just church. It's just people, man. It's just people. And the hard reality about following and not following is if you want to unfollow Jesus, he'll let you. We, we talked a little bit a few weeks ago about the rich young ruler and Jesus... And the rich young ruler went away sad, and Jesus didn't run after him. He didn't run after him. He honors, he honors your free will because he wants more than anything for you to be in relationship with him. And for a relationship to be legitimate, each party must come to that relationship of their own free will. And Peter says, Lord, where are we going to go? Peter realizes that if you're not going to follow Jesus, you're going to follow someone or something. He says, to whom shall we go? Who will we follow? And most people, when they check out, they just basically start following themselves. And they, again, become the Lord of their own life. And they start living by the seat of their own pants and, and just doing what they want to do. And Peter says, you have the words of eternal life. Where are we going to go? To whom we follow? My dad used to say, how many in here, you young people especially, have never seen a record, an LP record? Has anyone never seen a record? 
All right, they told me in the first service not to use this example because some people wouldn't know it. But my dad says, I played the other side of that record. And there's no sense in going back and playing it again. I can't, it, doesn't, it doesn't work when I say I played the other side of that CD. That doesn't really work. <laughs> my dad says, I've been on the other side of the fence. And there's nothing there for me. There's no reason to go back. I've played that record. And there's nothing there for me. And it's almost like in Peter's words, and I realize I'm reading between the lines a little bit. It's like Peter's saying, to whom shall we go? I mean, it's almost like you have the words of eternal life. We've heard too much. We've been spoiled to go back fishing again. We've been spoiled to go back to that way of life again. Because we've heard the words of eternal life. You spoiled us. Whom else can give us these words? Where else shall we go? For those of you here today that um, could be kind of, you know, teetering, check in, check out, you know. Can I tell you, if you check out, you regret the decision. Probably not, probably not tomorrow or maybe not next week or Next, because the Bible says that sin has its pleasure for a season. But you'll come a day that you will, regret, you will regret it. And all the time that you have lost when you unfollowed, you can't make up. You can always come back. God's love and grace will always be there for you. Always. Will always be there for you. And I pray that this church will always be there for you. And we'll be like the father in the story of the prodigal son. And we'll welcome you back. And we won't look there, look at you and say, well, it's about, I want you to come back sooner or later. No, we'll be gracious and loving and merciful, just like the father was in the prodigal story. And we'll be looking for you to come back. And when you come back, we're happy that you're here. But can I tell you? You'll regret it. You'll regret the time you've lost that you'll never be able to make up. You'll, you'll regret the decisions that you made when you were unfollowing because those decisions will have consequences in your life. I know that following Jesus is not just a piece of cake. The Bible doesn't say anywhere that's a piece of cake. In this world, you will have trouble. And I know that your wife doesn't do that and your husband doesn't do that and at work they don't understand and, and my family over here, they doesn't do that and that preacher over there and that sure they didn't treat me right. I know that. I know that. Well, if you choose to check out, there'll be a day when you'll realize that that was a poor choice. And then you'll have a decision to make. 
whether to come back or not. And, and it won't just be so easy to come back because you'll have to swallow pride. And for any of us human beings, that's a big pill to swallow. And you're worried about what people are going to say. But if you do come back, God's grace and God's love will be there for you. And I trust we as a church who are called to be Christ-like disciples will be loving and gracious to you as well. Man, what a bummer of a message. But it's the truth. And you, you, you may not be thinking about checking in, checking out today, okay? I guarantee you know people that are. They may be in your family. They may be on your block. They may be in your workplace. There are people, there are people that just deal with it. And why? Because they run up against that cost. They run up against that price to pay. They run up against trouble, persecution, the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, all those things that Matthew 13 talked about. And your counsel to them, church, and your, your, your advice to them is that they certainly have the right to do that. But with a smile and love and in your heart, they're going to regret it. They're going to regret it. And while you can come back after you unfollow, you've got to take a big step over pride. And that's a big step for some of us. Before we check out, I would wish that all of us would consider Peter's words. Where are we going to go? If you let me say this, I don't mean this in an irreverent way, but who's, who's offering a better deal than Jesus? Where are we going to go? He's got the words of eternal. Who has the words of eternal life out there? Before you check out, ask yourself that question. Where are you going? Where are you going? The series was called Follow Me. And Jesus offers the greatest invitation that anyone could ever give you. Better than an invitation to Governor's Mansion or the White House. He offers you to come and follow me. And so my question to all of you is, have you answered that invitation? Have you really done that? If you've never, you've never answered it, you can answer it today. And it's not a whole lot of words. There's not a, like... Step one, step two, step three. There's not these little magic words you have to say. It's just start following him. <laughs> just start following him. And whatever you understand, just start following him. You don't know very much. It'll make a difference. Just start following him. But what was the message that we had? You follow me. Right? Don't worry about other people. You. I don't know that. It'll make a difference. You follow me. I don't know where the book of job is. You follow me. You follow me. Have you responded to that invitation? And maybe you have, but you find yourself on this check-in, check-out place. 
I wish I could, I wish I could stop you, but I know I can't. But from experience, I'll tell you, there'd be a day you regret it. And you will, you will regret the decisions you made as you were checked out. You can always come back. And I trust as a church will be gracious and we'll receive you because I know God will. But you'll have to pay those consequences of when you checked out in the decisions that you made as you were checking out. Don't you feel uplifted? I try to be an honest preacher. And just tell you what the Bible says. And the Bible says, some decided no longer to follow him. And the Bible says, you just throw it out and it falls on all kinds of hearts. And some hearts it'll take deep root and some hearts it won't just for a short time and the Bible says that Paul says in 2 Timothy Demas has forsaken me loving the pleasures of this world my heart's desire is that you respond to his call come follow me and when the temptations come and they will come you will think of something like Peter did when he said, where else am I going to go? Whom else am I going to follow? Our pastors are coming to be able to prepare the elements of communion. Some of you will want to receive communion this morning. In some kind of foreshadowing of what Jesus taught in, in John 6, you know. You've got to have me and you and you and me and blood and flesh and bread and cup and some of you will want to do that some of you will want to uh, come and, and pray at the altar and may pray about this following stuff and some of you may want to make an appointment with me this week and you need to email me or text me or call and make an appointment and talk about this following unfollowing and stuff that you're dealing with I, I don't have all the answers I don't but I promise I'll listen to you and tell you what I've learned during my Christian journey. Let's pray. Father God, um, I just had to preach on an unfortunate reality of the Christian life. And that is that as we go through this Christian journey, people follow and then people kind of unfollow. They check in and they check out. And I pray for all of us that when those times of questioning will come, that we'll think of something like Peter thought of when he says, where else will I go? And to whom else will I go? Who else has the words of eternal life? So, Father, I pray you take this message, and maybe it's not applicable right now for a lot of people, but store it away. So that maybe that time of questioning may come the trouble or persecution or worries of life or the deceitfulness of wealth will come into their life and they'll be tempted to check out I pray for that one person two people three people that are right there on that fence today you know who those are I don't and I pray you use the words of this message to help them make a good choice
And even, Father, even if they, after hearing this message, they make a poor choice, let them know that they can always come back. And may we be the type of church that always receives them when they come back. Father, I pray you bless us now as we do what we do every Sunday. Would you bless these elements of communion, a piece of bread that represents your broken body for us and a cup which represents your shed blood. And would you use them now as a means of grace that continue to make this Christian life real for us. I pray for those that will be praying at their pews and I pray ones that will be praying around the altar. Bless them now as we all do what we feel like we need to do as our worship continues.